The following audio content was recorded at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit upc.org. If you're expecting me to sing like Harvey Drake, it ain't gonna happen. In my heaven, Elias Bullock is there playing the keys, for sure. Uh, We are excited to have the Gospel Choir here tonight, in part because what we're going to talk about tonight is praise. Uh, We're going to talk about what it means to bless God as we understand ourselves to be people blessed by God. As we get started with a new series that we're going to do here at the end, here in May, that'll take us unbelievably to my soul up to the end of the year. So I'm excited about that. Before I get started, a couple things that I want to let you know about. Uh, just really a few things uh, to, to highlight. First uh, is those, there's, there's many of you who were uh, on our trip to the Dominican Republic over spring break. Uh, which is, yeah, something to be fired up about. We've been doing this trip for 10 years. Our good friend Fraser is here from COTN tonight. Uh, not all of us get the opportunity to go on uh, mission trips, uh, but we still have opportunities to participate in the work that God is doing, uh, in, in this case, in the Dominican Republic by, uh, by sponsoring kids and by being involved that way. So I really want to encourage you uh, to take a look at, at how you might be involved with COTN in supporting uh, a kid that, that needs your help. Also, I uh, just want to highlight uh, the need for guys at Camp Side by Side. If you're around this summer, I really want to put that on your radar. Think about that. I know it's something that will be a great blessing to you as we seek uh, as a community to come alongside families uh, that are in a great moment of need as they're supporting a, a child that, that has... Um, a very severe illness. Uh, so I hope that, that uh, you will consider joining us uh, that in, in August uh, to come alongside those families. That's Camp Side by Side. Check those things out after the in uh, tonight. All right. Uh, earlier, we had a chance to hear Emily share about her experience in the prayer room. I was excited to hear her uh, share about that because I likewise participated in the week of prayer that we had uh, last week. And really, I recognized as part of that experience how often I don't do something like that, where I set aside an hour to pray, and really the first, the first 20 minutes to a half hour are just, are just really spent trying to calm down and, and not be distracted by the various distractions uh, that there are. I, I, like you, uh, even as, as a, a professional Christian, I mean, I get paid to pray, and it's still hard to pray every now and then. So I have great empathy uh, for, for how difficult it can be for you all to slow down in the, in the chaos of your lives and get some, some time uh, like Emily talked about. Uh, and, and, and so to the degree that I struggle with it, I have a feeling that I'm not alone as we've been interviewing people for in response, our next year's version of student leadership. One of the questions that we've been asking is, what's an area of your faith that you want to grow in or be challenged in next year? And one of the common responses is, I, I really want to grow in how I pray um, or how I think about, uh, about prayer. I get it. Uh, it's hard 
to know how to respond to God. I mean, what do you say to God? If you're anything like me, you can find yourself semi-speechless when you pull up at the drive-thru and, you know, you hear the person say, good morning, Ryan, what can I make for you today? Okay, when all they're offering on the other end is dollar cheeseburgers, and I find myself semi-speechless, what do you do when you have been saved from the pit, when your life has been spared, when you have been rescued and redeemed by the God of the universe for free 99? How do you respond to that if you don't know how to respond to getting a cheeseburger? It's hard to know how to respond to God. So as we seek to learn how to do that, here's what we're going to do this month. We're going to do a series on the Psalms that is intended to coach us on what we might say to God. We're simply calling this series, Dear God, insinuating that we do have something to say to God in the different attitudes and circumstances that we find ourselves in here in the spring and no doubt throughout the summer and the course of our lives. Thankfully, we have this entire book of the Bible that that does guide us. I love that word, coach us, on how to appropriately respond to a God who created and redeemed the world. This is what the book of Psalms is all about. You can think about it like this. 150 songs loaded up onto your computer, your phone, whatever you use, and it's broken down into into different playlists, these 150 songs. Okay, you guys all do this. I know I have, I have different playlists for different types of activities. Okay, I have, a, I have a, a playlist that I listen to for when I'm running, you know, that has a lot of, you know, a lot of songs by, by people like, you know, Van Halen and Duran Duran. You probably don't even know who that is. Okay, or, you know, a, a mix that I'll have, a, a playlist that's, that's really road trip specific. It'll have some U2 and some Coldplay. You guys get what I'm scratching at. For people that are advancing in age like me into their 30s, one of our favorite things to do uh, for exercise is this thing called spinning. Anybody take a spinning class out here? Okay, all right, there's some spinners. I like it. Okay, anyway, spinning class is a class where you're on a stationary bike that's led by an instructor, and the instructor does a heavy lifting on putting together what is hopefully a really good playlist to get you uh, through your workout. Usually, you know, they start off with something that's, that's a little on the slower side, you know, you know, baby, I was born this way. You know, they, then gives them the opportunity to say, you might have been born that way, but after this, after this workout, you're going to be totally different, you know, they, they, they try to get you fired up. And then they have this, this devilish little button that, that as they ramp up the beat of the song, they can actually ramp it up a little bit more. It says like 1.10, 1.10. So then it takes songs that are already fast and makes them that much faster. That, 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 we don't kill you, can only make you stronger. I need you to hurry up now because I can't wait. Okay, you you guys get the point, right? You know, you're up there trying to, okay? So at the end of this thing, if it's a good playlist, it has guided you in helping you get through that workout and had a better experience doing it. And so, as we go through the Psalms, we're going to look at, at some playlists that hopefully help us in our response, that guide us in having an experience in responding to God that might be a little more coordinated, perhaps a little bit more enjoyable. Now, the, the names of these playlists over the next three weeks, starting tonight, are going to be Orientation, Disorientation, and Reorientation. 
all these, these playlists that help us in our posture towards God. And so uh, tonight we're going to start off with Psalms of Orientation, but before we launch into an example from this play, playlist, let me pray for us. Lord, help us to learn all the more how to praise and bless you. Help us to know more of who you are and thus be set free by the power of your presence that is truly with us. Help us to know that tonight, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Uh, this, this little sampling of the playlist is simpler, similar to what happens when you're trying to find a song that you want to buy on Amazon or iTunes or whatever. You get to hear the first 30 seconds. I'm going to launch into the first 30 seconds of the first song on this playlist. It's going to be from Psalm 103, beginning at the first verse. It says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. All right, what makes this a psalm of orientation? What puts it in the playlist of orientation? Most simply this, the acknowledgement that God is God and I am not. Now, for me, the word that is most significant in, in, in helping us get into this is that first word of the psalm that's translated bless. Now, if you are following along out of an NIV, the word that's going to be used there is praise. The two words really go together. They're very similar in meaning. They come out of one Hebrew word, barak, that captures both these ideas of blessing and praise. Now, in my mind, they play out just subtly different, and I want to riff on that uh, for just a few minutes. First, praise. Dare I say praise is the building block of anything that we would call Christian spirituality. Praise acknowledges that what really, if there's going to be something that we're going to worship, it needs to be something that is praiseworthy. One of the reasons I'm really glad that the gospel choir is here tonight, this is, this is a different experience for us. It pushes us in how we think to, uh, to praise. It, it, it brings us out of our comfort zone a little bit more and gives us a, a bigger vocabulary on how we might praise God. Praise is simply a response to God for all of God's majesty and saving action. Praise is a response, a response to God for all of God's majesty and saving action. Praise is a response where you ascribe worth to something. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You know what it's like to receive praise. You do something really well, you get affirmation, you get recognition, you get credit for something, and typically it feels pretty good. I've become increasingly aware of what I praise over the last four and a half years as a parent. Now, you may not be totally aware of this, as most of you with the gospel choir know that there's some parents in the room. 
But parenting in 2013 is no easy endeavor. We know a ton about what it takes to be good parents. There's a lot of great research out there. Some of you people are doing that research in child psychology and development or whatever. There's all kinds of stuff that says, you know, you don't want to hold your child too much, you know, lest they become coddled and entitled. And, you, you know, you don't want to not hold them lest they turn into a sociopath. Honestly, I don't know which one's worse. Just saying. Okay? You, there's, there's a bunch of stuff around um, how you appropriately praise your children. Now, let me give you a little bit of an insight into what I'm talking about um, in my life. Case in point, uh, I want to show you a a bit of a snapshot of my golf-obsessed four-year-old Carson Church, okay? This guy, I I, I mean, I I have a little bit of an idea how it happened, but here he is, lining up his putt. Oh, Oh, the agony. And then I don't know... (laughs) I don't know if you heard it at the end. He just goes, ah. Okay, for Carson, every single putt is supposed to go in. And if it doesn't, there is huge distress. Now, how do we get to this point? How do we get to this point with a four-year-old, people? Well, my brother-in-law plays on the PGA Tour. My dad is a big golfer. So there's a lot of natural attention and affirmation in our family around the game of golf. And Carson, as you just saw, has clearly established he has a, an established idea of what's a good shot and a bad shot. And as you can tell by his reaction, he was quite dismayed when the ball didn't do what he wanted it to and go in the hole. Now, getting back to my whole thing about praise and affirmation and child psychology and that whole thing, nobody debates that, that it, how important it is for children to receive praise and affirmation. But there are warnings about the type of praise that you give. Some of you in this room may know actually more about this uh, than I do because you're studying it. But you're not supposed to, as I understand it, praise children necessarily for the result of something that they accomplish. Rather, you are supposed to praise the effort that the child puts into whatever it is. The idea is that more than you want to affirm in your child that you are only good if you get it right, that you're only ascribing worth to them if they do something good or get it right, the idea is that you want to affirm that, that you are, are good because of the effort uh, that you're putting into it, because you've tried. And so, as you can tell with somebody who's already agonizing over bad shots in golf, I'm challenging to figure out, how, how, do, I, how do I affirm Carson? I mean, for crying out loud, I am not the one that is telling him, Oh, Carson, that was an awful putt. It was offline, and it was short the whole way, okay? I've never done, I promise you, I've never done, I promise you, I've never even said bad shot. Yet, he has an idea of, of what, is, what is, is good and bad. What am I driving at here? For me to just praise my four-year-old for being a good little golfer, which he is, it's totally true, is to horribly reduce what this little guy is, is doing. It would, be, it would be tragic for me to just say, oh, I have a four-year-old son, and he's a money little golfer. No, no, no. Um, it's this opportunity to get to know this little person and see it's not that just that he's a good little golfer. It's that he's got this incredible, incredible ability to focus on things that he gets passionate about, and he cares about the things that he's doing. 
It's not golf that I want to affirm. It's, it's who he is as he discovers what it means to do those things, how I ascribe worth to him. Now, notice how important this is, not only for him to receive praise, but how I think of my son. I don't want to think of him merely as a golfer. I want to think of him as so much more than that. Isn't it similar in how we think about God? Often our praise begins with something along the lines of God is good. It's a basic confession, and it's totally true. It's a great place for us to start in how we think about God. God is good. But when we seek to praise when we're learning how to, to practice this, how to speak to God, there is so much more to say than God is good. We got to read some of these things in Psalm 103 um, earlier. So praise is important. It's how we ascribe worth. And not only is it, is it good for the person, it shaped, for example, it helps shape my little guy's identity It's also important in how we think about it. So praise is important. Now, let's talk a little bit about about blessing. Now, my immediate thought when I read this psalm and it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, my mind immediately goes to this tension of going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't God the one that is in the business of blessing? Isn't God the one who, who blesses us? Isn't the business of blessing the really God's business. No doubt it's true. God is the one who first does the blessing. In the verses we just read, there was a whole list. God forgives your iniquities, heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. That's all God has done for me and for us. Just redeemed, saved us. So what are we supposed to do what can I do, seeing as that I can't merely return the, f- the favor? I don't know how to heal God's diseases. <laughs> so what do we do? For me, the primary building block of blessing, okay, and this is the, the subtle nuance of how it's different than praise, is to pay attention. If praise is to ascribe worth, to bless is to pay attention. What, what am I talking about here? So, uh, perhaps some of you have had somebody pray a prayer of blessing over you, perhaps at a, at a baptism or at a confirmation or something, and they prayed something that was marvelous for you, that just seemed to be the right thing for you. It likely happened because they paid attention. My wife is one of these people who, who she is a gift giver. That is her love language. And it, it, could, it could be months since we've hung out with somebody. I, I could have even forgotten who they are, and we'll be on vacation or something in an antique store, and she'll see some trinket and go, oh, I just have to get this for Amy. And I'm like, who's Amy, and why do you have to get this for them? Well, she saw something that connected to a picture in her house and a story that, you know, from eight months ago and said, I have to get this. And she blesses people by being a great gift giver. Okay, transparency's sake here. It's awesome to be married to somebody who's a great gift giver, okay? <laughs> if you're going to find a love language, I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but gift giving is, is probably second right behind physical touch, just saying, okay? <laughs> Julie blesses people by giving great gifts. But in order to do that, she has to pay attention. Now, praise ascribing worth, blessing, 
paying attention? What are, we, what are we driving into as we seek to learn how to respond to God? Okay, again, a building block is that in, when we think about blessing and we think about praise, we got to think about relationship. It is a transaction. You cannot praise yourself. I mean, you can, you can try to do it, but it, honestly, it's not going to go very far. Okay, you can bless yourself, but it's really quite, you can try to bless yourself, but it's really quite unfulfilling. In order for there to be true praise and true blessing, there's going to be a subject, there's going to be an object. It's a relationship uh, that, we, that we have to remember uh, as, as, we, as we think about what it means to, to praise God. Ascribing worth, paying attention in relationship, okay? So what? Why is this important? Why are, why are we sitting in a big room on a, on a Tuesday night in May talking about this? How do, how do we do this, and what does it mean for us to praise? Tell me more about why it's important. Okay, first, let me ask you this as we start to wrap up. Has God won your respect? For any of us who call ourselves Christians or followers of Jesus, there is usually more to what won us over than simply God is good. Maybe what we discovered later totally proved that, but usually there was something a little bit more. Praising God is simply acknowledging and making known the things about God that won you over, provable or not. Certainly one of the ways that God first got my attention as a college student was after a pretty harsh breakup. I'd been dating this girl for about three years in high school. And the nice thing about high school is that, you know, it's a smaller environment. And, and in high school, you're pretty doggone cool. So when we got to college, this girl figured out pretty quick that I wasn't nearly as cool as I was in high school. And so she broke up with me. Okay, good move on her part. Over the course of the next several months, as I was heartbroken and, you know, if not, if not devastated that something I thought was going to last for a long time did not, what I began to notice about God is another verse in this passage. I began to notice, uh, in fact, let me read it, verse, um, Psalm 103, verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I discovered, I began to discover that the love of God was far more durable and a lot less fickle than romance. I began to understand that in Jesus, God had demonstrated a love that lasts and does not go away, even when I don't seem to be as cool as I once was. Our psalm, our psalm celebrates this aspect of God, this everlasting aspect of God. Now, similarly, we can't confine our praise. As I was, as I was distraught after this breakup, I, we, I can't confine my praise only to when I feel like it. The reality is that often we don't feel like praising God. In my own life, I'm often, if, if, if I'm waiting for that, some, you know, that peaceful, easy feeling to come around, and then I'll be ready to praise God, I will be waiting a long time before I do so. Now, that doesn't mean we can't keep it real with God. 
But you're going to have to come back next week and hear Ryan Andrews share a little bit as we get into the playlist around Psalms of Disorientation. So as, as we get into this idea about what does it mean to praise God and how do we do it, here is the starting point. Simply remember what it is about God that first got your attention or that first won you over. In its simplest form, praise is simply articulating what you like about who God is. Praise is simply articulating what you like about who God is. Notice, you could go back and notice the words of the songs that the gospel choir led us in earlier, and that's exactly what we did. We were just telling God who he is. We are just singing what it is that we like about God that perhaps won us over originally. So the first thing is just praise is simply remembering and articulating what it is you like about God. Second, praise and blessing are important because it helps us get over ourselves. The more positive way to say this is that it helps us think theologically. It helps us think about who God is instead of us thinking about ourselves. Often when I'll meet with somebody who is not feeling great about life, might be struggling a little bit. Heck, I I often am the one that finds myself um, in this boat. One of the questions I will ask or reflect on is, what am I doing for someone else? Who am I thinking of other than myself? Often I find myself in this cycle of thinking when I am acutely aware of particular sins. I can quickly get caught up in how much I suck. Praise is a way to combat getting stuck in what Janie likes to call our crap closet. It reminds us of who God is over and above the narcissistic tendencies that we have to be totally consumed with ourselves. And in part, I think that's the context of Psalm 103. The greatest season that the ancient Israelites had enjoyed is coming to a close, and things are changing as they are seeking to keep a proper perspective on who God is. And this psalm, they practice that simply by naming the things that they like about who God is. Hear these words, beginning at verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As the father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Anytime we hear that, we see that word fear, particularly in Old Testament context, we... We, we sometimes don't know what that means. We associate it with being scared. The, the way to understand that word has a lot more to do with reverence and respect more than it is being terrified or, or scared. It's reverence and respect. Okay, with what we just read, remember that praise and blessing frames this psalm. It is in this middle section where p- people are simply reminding themselves of a reality bigger than themselves. They're recalling key characteristics about who God is. They're simply saying what they like about God. Slow to anger, full of compassion, abounding in steadfast love. 
they're returning to a place of what do I really believe about who God is over and above how I feel about God in the reality of my life. This is good news for us. As we noted earlier, you guys are busy folks. You're trying to get your, get your midterms done. You're involved in a multitude of activities and relationships. We are a busy culture and, and as a result can often find ourselves feeling very scatterbrained in how we think about everything, much less how we think about God. A psalm of orientation What these verses do is, in part, slow us down to help us focus all these different things that we think about God. And remember, this is the reality. In this case, the psalmist has said, I need to remember that God forgives. It's the way to not get stuck in thinking always about ourselves, to taking the scattered thoughts we have about ourselves and our own life and focusing them on God. That's why we need Psalms of Orientation. Finally, remember that praise is a response to God's love, not something that we do to earn God's love. There can be this prevailing sense of if I just praise more, if I just do this or do that, then God will love me more. No, no, no. The blessing has already been given to you. And so we we simply, uh, we don't need to worry about praising in such a way that will somehow earn us more God points. And at the same time, we need to be careful that we don't reduce praise to merely something that we're doing when the lights go down and the music goes up and the band or a gospel choir is there to to help us do something. Praise is not merely music. Worship is not merely music. Rather, we do those things so that we might begin to praise with the entirety of our lives. It's not something that should be reduced to something that we just do some of the time, and it shouldn't be reduced to even something that we evaluate. Dare I say there's no such thing as good praise or bad praise. There is just praise. And we seek to practice giving God that praise with our, the entire, uh, with our whole being. Remember how the psalm started out? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, all that is within me. Praise is what we do with our entire lives. We speak in a way that communicates what we believe about God. Do you do that? Do you make decisions based on what you know to be true about God that communicates who you believe God to be? That's praise. Do you do that? Does your behavior reflect what you believe about God, how you treat others? That is is praise. And of course, what we do when we gather together, what we're going to do is the, is the choir comes up and leads us in another song. That is also praise, but it's not just that. Praise and blessing is how we live our lives, people ascribing worth to God, paying attention to what God is doing in our lives and the lives of others, expecting God to be a blesser. A few years ago, 
I was struggling with this overwhelming sense of inadequacy as a preacher and pastor. So I met with another pastor that I had a tremendous amount of respect for, primarily for the purpose of being coached as a preacher. And so we spent several weeks together reading texts, and and they were texts that I was going to be speaking on. And so I would go over the thoughts that I I had and and write out these talks and kind of deliver them. And it it was incredibly vulnerable to sit in front of this person that you have a tremendous amount of respect for and allow them to see into all your spiritual and intellectual inadequacies. Well, at the end of our time, um, which, was, which was great for me, um, I expected that this guy was going to say uh, something along, you know, kind of give me the pep talk. Hey, keep going. You've, you've, made, some, you've made some great improvements, uh, and you're going to be good at this one day. Um, instead, at the end of our time, he just said, I just want, I want you to walk out of here knowing one thing. And he just looks at me and says, and he says, I like you. I like you. I like what you're trying to do. I like who you are. Uh, I like who you're becoming. I, I like you. And as I drove away, um, I found myself thinking, wow. Honestly, I, I'm not sure there's anything better he could have said to me. Simply, I like you. As we orient ourselves to God, we simply make a practice of saying, God, I like you. I like what you've done for me. I like this world that you created. I like that you gave your one and only son to save even my life. Lord, I don't just love you. I like you. And I've got a bunch of reasons why I like you. When we orient ourselves to God, we simply remember all there is to like, not just love, about the God that has created us and continues to love us. Because that's true, let's pray, and then let's sing one more song. Uh, to that very God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have given us this book to teach us how to praise you. Lord, thank you that you have first blessed us, and now we seek to bless you. Uh, Lord, we need help on learning how to do this. And so would you, um, by your spirit, come alive in us? Would you Uh, Use the voices around us, even these songs, to remind us all that we do, in fact, uh, love, and not just love, but like about you. Uh, So, Lord, would you be enthroned on our praises uh, as we uh, sing one more song, and as we go from this this place, uh, may our lives be a sacrifice um, of praise uh, to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.